Hey squad, new microphones this episode. We're really excited about that. Hopefully we sound a little better. <laughs> this week's, hopefully man, this week's nonprofit will be Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. DBSA provides hope, help, support, and education to improve the lives of people who have mood disorders. They provide educational materials such as podcasts, webinars, courses, and so much more. They can also help you with treatment options and getting you in touch with the right specialist for you. So go ahead and check them out at dbsalliance.org. Hello, everyone. We have a guest that we're all, well, especially me, I'm very excited about. Uh, Jacqueline's a school counselor in Indiana and one of my good friends. We met through some mutual friends when she was taking some summer college classes in the area and we've been close ever since. We both are very passionate about mental health and overall and overall have very aligned views so I thought she would make an excellent guest for the podcast. Uh, thanks Jacqueline for agreeing to be here. How are you doing this morning? Yeah hi I'm so excited to be here. And yes, um, I would echo everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Jacqueline's wedding last last year. I keep two years ago. Last year was 2020 because now it's 2021. So now it's two, like just over a year ago. Oh my goodness. It's fine. We can pretend 2020 never existed if we want. So that a year ago works. That was yeah. Really totally nice. fine. But that wedding was probably my favorite wedding oh. to be in. So that was a lot of fun. I'm actually wearing the necklace that I you gave us during the wedding. I wear it like every day. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I love that it. makes me happy. Good. Um, I guess are you ready to just kind of dive right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Um, if you're okay, Marie, I guess I'll start with questions. Oh yeah, go right ahead. Okay. Um, what made you decide to be a school counselor? Oof. It's always my favorite question in interviews um, <laughs> because I honestly don't have a great origin story. Um, you know, I don't have any high school, middle school memories of either a really good experience with a counselor or a bad experience. Uh, I truly was just a lost senior in college. I didn't know. I thought I knew what I wanted to do um, and kind of got to the end of the tunnel and didn't. And so I kind of stumbled upon I truly stumbled upon school counseling as a potential career path. Um, it looked at some like programs. Line... Oh, sorry. I no, you're fine. Um, did it kind of like line up with your major and that's uh, kind of how you found it? Or I guess, how did you kind of find it? <laughs> yeah. How did I stumble upon a yes. career path? Um, my minor was in psychology, um, but I didn't want to do private practice. That's just not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, no, my major was arts administration, which is essentially nonprofits. Um, <laughs> it's administration. I, yeah, it, in a way, I mean, I, I've used some of my skills, oddly enough, um, but just thought about like, okay, what can I do with psychology that's not a private practice? And I mean, school counseling is, is an option. It, it, it does combine um, research, mental health, um, helping people with uh, with more structure yeah. and that's what I needed. Was that, you needed that structure? I need that. Yeah. I, I like the structure of education. 
Yeah, that and, makes sense. In the K through 12 system. Especially since, you know, you went through the K through 12 system. So I'm right. sure it's very nostalgic walking through it. <laughs> yeah. The memories that pop up. Just are. And I work in a middle school, so the memories that pop oh, up. No, <laughs> just middle school. What a time for everybody that was. Oh, goodness. Everyone's it's... just blossoming during that time of their life. Oh, <laughs> the best. It's an extreme time of growth. <laughs> you reflect on everything that you should have done. Um, <laughs> or oh. shouldn't have. <laughs> oh gosh, the things that came out of my mouth as a middle schooler, my adult self would probably slap that <laughs> middle yeah. school self. Oh, I okay. So funny side story, just really quickly. So I'm taking these boxing classes, and I'm taking like beginners boxing because I am in no no circumstance of my boxer. So I'm in these beginner boxing classes and there's two kids there with us the other night. It's me and my friend Shelby that go do this. And then there was a 13 year old girl and like a 13 or 14 year old boy and just watching them interact with each other and like the things that they said and the way that they talked, I was like, oh my goodness, I remember exactly this and having this like level of confidence in what you're saying and what you're doing. And I was like, oh Lord, you are gonna regret some of this later. God, that's perfect. That really encompasses everything that it feels like to look back. It was middle school days. Just like a funny throwback because I don't, I'm not around middle schoolers that often. I don't have kids. I don't like have any reason to be around them. So it's just kind of funny to relive that for a hot second. Mm, I relive it with Aaron a lot. And that's, that's a wake up call to how I was, was as a teenager. Cause he's kind of in that phase of, I know everything and I'm learning about the world. So I know more than all the adults in here and I'm woke and stuff like that. And it's, it's a challenge some days. Cause sometimes I'm really patient. I'm like, all right, you know, there's really no harm in letting you think that you're the only person with this thought. So I'm just going to let it go. And then there's other days where I'm just like, I'm, I really need a couple minutes. Cause <laughs> That middle school. I can't do this. That middle school <laughs> just kind of, I, I don't know about you, Jacqueline, but it just kind of, it wears me down, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, oh my goodness. it's your whole job. It is. And, it, and it's a bad look to argue with a 13 year old. Like I just don't get into a fight with a 13 year old. So if you need to take a step back, take a step back. It's not worth the, the fight. It's, it's not. I'm going to win. It's, no, no, it's fun. No, there's no winning. So you work for sure. <laughs> so you work with, with middle schoolers. You said you work at a middle school. So, I mean, that's a, that's a decent spread in age group and kind of growth and everything for, for the kids. Is there a need for school counselors or middle school or elementary school? Do you kind of see a need somewhere, a niche? Yeah, there's absolutely a need and every developmental group is going to be different. So I think we think of school counseling in a more traditional way back when they were guidance counselors and it was all about vocational or college so that's like more of the high school need, although there is a lot of social emotional need for high schoolers as I think we're all learning. Um, but to, to be a better, I don't know, a more aware teenager, more socially and emotionally aware, it's got to start sooner. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you can back that all the way up to elementary school where kids have the opportunity to learn truly their emotions and how to label their emotions, how to deal with it. Um, and then, you know, you kind of set that foundation and then you move into middle school where you are developing and there's still some of that. I need to identify my emotions. I need to identify my triggers. I need to identify how to handle these things and having someone to talk to, um, 
And that's kind of where I feel like I come in. Being that third party, kind Mm -hmm. of that bridge between their thoughts are reality and what's kind of the actual reality at hand. Because I feel like in middle school, there's kind of that haze of like what's real and what isn't, I guess, Mm -hmm. from, and that might be just my experience as going because my bipolar disorder started at that time so I don't know if that's just me kind of having that but I feel like that's kind of most middle schoolers is that kind of haze and that disconnect yeah and also thinking that everything is happening just to you oh yes that very egotistical Mm -hmm. mindset Mm -hmm. and not like intentionally in a malice way just no just it kind of comes with learning Yeah, Yeah, it comes with like learning your own emotions and your feelings and kind of how to deal with all of that because you didn't do that as a, you know, eight-year-old really. You were just kind of like cut and dry. Here it is. So when you're 12, 13 years old and learning all of that, it's only happening to you, no one else. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Are there any preconceived notions that you kind of had to come to terms with when starting middle school counseling? Huh. Um, From the counseling perspective, um, there is kind of the, like, like I said earlier with the guidance part, um, there are people who think that that is all I do. I just sit in my office and change schedules. Um, and that's, and that's, that's not reality. That's not reality. <laughs> um, I know you, you do more than that. <laughs> I promise I do. Um, and then in terms of preconceived notions that I had about middle schoolers, I, I definitely surprised myself with my love of middle school. I always like going through school, I saw myself going high school, um, but it, high school was a little, a little too hands-off for me, and I, I kind of like being in it. I like talking to the kids and helping them through, because they are at that really cool age where um, they're still learning. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they're not high school. I know it all, um, but you can have better conversations with them than you could an eight-year-old. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely surprised me. That's awesome. Um, what does a normal, what does an, a normal day look like for you? Quote unquote, hmm. um, I guess, cause I think people do need to know what you kind of do besides just changing schedules. Right. Cause there is more to your job and you do so much for them. Oh, thank you. Um, are we talking in a non COVID year or do you want me to just um, shed some light on how about you do a non-COVID year, and then how about you talk about how COVID's kind of changed what your job looks like? Okay. Yeah, yeah. we'll take a look at both. Yeah. Um, I would say in the before times, you know, I, you know, get to get to work. I have hall duty um, in the morning, which I actually really like because I put myself right where the kids from the bus are coming in, so I can always say hi to them. Aww. And I have learned that uh, sometimes just someone saying hi to you is like the only high and the only acknowledgement that some of these kids are going to get in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, for whatever reason at home, things might not be good. So um, I've really come to uh, take my duties. So like lunch duty, hall duty, I've, uh, they're, they're a lot easier for me. Than what they are. Yes. And I try to approach it that way. Um, and then throughout the day, you know, I might have to pull kids that I'm checking on. Um, so maybe I've been working with them for a while and I'm just checking in to see how they're doing, whether that's with um, it, it, truly anything from anxiety to um, maybe they were in a fight with somebody last week, you know, physical or not. Um, and then other things come up that I can help kids with, and that could truly could range from anything um, from the kids crying in class. Okay, send them to me. Um, 
or a kid needs to come see me because they're suicidal um, or anything like that. And then, you know, I've got that and then I've got other duties that I, I handle. So maybe that's preparing for scheduling because um, I, I, I'm in a seven, eight building. So okay. you've got the incoming transition and then you've got the outgoing transition. So there's always something with that going on. Um, and I might do 504s, which I won't go into because I don't want to bore anybody. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's people, a lot of people ask me what I do. And sometimes I just wonder if it's easier to say what I don't do in a day. <laughs> that might be easier. That's so, yeah, for sure. Do you do any of like the... I guess you said incoming, outgoing kind of stuff. So like prep for high school, prep for like what people kind of normally think of as like a guidance counselor or right. counselor. So you do some yeah. of that and then mix it with your, with your kind of like mental health counseling yep. and all that. I, uh, I kind of have a triangle of things I do. I like to think about it. So I've got my academics, I've got my social emotional, and I've got my post-secondary readiness. So yeah. that might be awesome. I should have started with that. <laughs> a lot of it works. <laughs> Um, do you find that a lot of kids come to you voluntarily or is it kind of more of a forced thing? Cause I guess I feel like in high school, it's more of a voluntary thing to go into the counselors cause people aren't pushing for that. So I guess I don't, and I feel like elementary is more of a forced kind of thing mm -hmm. because you know, they're little, they're more malleable. You're more mm -hmm. apt to tell them what to do as opposed to those high schoolers. So I guess, what do you find in middle school? When I first started at my school, it was definitely a forced thing. And then kind of as the year progressed, so, and I kind of bring it back to that um, being visible with my duties, whether I'm in the hall or the lunchroom and um, the kids start to get to know me mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, I can come talk to her. And they'll, they'll even ask me, they're like, so can I like talk to you anytime? Yeah, that's fine. That's awesome. So, oh, yes and no. So yeah, visibility makes a big difference. Yes which is, it, it makes sense when you, you know, like if they don't see that counselor and they don't see that they're personable and approachable and someone that's really just there to help them, they're not going to go out of their way to take advantage of those um, resources that they have available to them, which makes Correct. sense. Correct. All right. So how, how big is the school that you work in? Because I grew up in a super small town where we're all crammed in one building, like K-12. And then I've subbed for my mom in a couple of those situations. And I know like, it, obviously situations vary family to family. It kind of doesn't matter how large or small the school is, but that does also kind of play a role in how much the kids know each other, know each other's families, each other's home life. Mm -hmm. um, great question. Uh, my school is huge. So I'm in an urban school in the greater Indianapolis area. I'm the second largest middle school in the state at just over 1,400. That's lots of kids. <laughs> uh, so we have wide range. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't relate, but <laughs> um, I know for, for us and like looking, my mom works kind of in administration behind the scenes at a school um, and they're K-12, like I said, all in one building. And so like subbing for her and doing a couple of things that I did for her, I know that I definitely probably couldn't do what you do. So I respect the hell out of you. Good for you. Um, but I know there's a lot of stuff like things that go on at home or other stuff. Do kids come and talk? Do they feel comfortable talking to you about that stuff? Or is that something you kind of have to notice signs and like coax out of them? Mm. Depends on the kid. And pretty much every answer is depends on the kid. Um, right. I, I'm lucky at my school, I've got a social worker and, um, she's 
great at the community resource part of things. So if a kid needs um, clothes or something like that, she kind of handles more of that. Um, and then we work pretty closely together. So once a kid feels comfortable, maybe with her, then they'll come to me um, for a check-in or, you know, if she's unavailable. So uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's awesome though. Every school should have a social worker. That's amazing. Have you seen during COVID that you've been working more with her? Absolutely. Absolutely more. Um, COVID has brought out, and I know it's not necessarily a fault of these families. I mean, how many, how many jobs have we seen, you know, lost in this country? Mm -hmm. Um, These kids can't eat. They can't you know, they, they need help at the holidays or I've, I've noticed I've helped a lot of kids get um, mobile hotspots. Um, and so they'll, you know, someone will call me or the kid will call me and, um, say, you know, they need the mobile hotspot or whatever. And I'll, I'll put in the request for them. Um, but yeah, we've, we've definitely worked so much closer this year. Just uh, every need from basic to, like I said, a mobile hotspot is, has affected all of these families. Um, yeah. So kind of, sorry, Britt. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, so, um, okay. Circling back around to kind of the back half of that question. What does a normal day look for, you now, like with COVID and everything going on? Mm-hmm. So my, my school's a little complicated. Um, cause we've kind of done a few different things. We started hybrid, um, which I'm sure every state's a little different, but at my school, that means half of the alphabet is Monday, Tuesday, the next half is Wednesday, Thursday, and then everyone's virtual on Friday. So kids also have the option to be totally virtual, and that's right now. That's different from like in March, where we were all at home. Mm -hmm. So in March, it was kind of a cluster. Um, We tried our best to push out social emotional resources when in reality like the kids were just trying to figure out what in the world they were doing they were barely barely holding it together now um we've started to build that social emotional piece into our schedule so we have um kind of an advisory block um kind of a study hall it encompasses a lot of things um and so we're pushing out lessons um there but so that's that piece other than that, so when the kids are there, goes back to what I said earlier, pulling kids as I need to, um, or you know, doing my duties, whatever it may be. I think the difference now is I don't see kids every day. So if you've got the last name that starts with an L and something happens to you on Tuesday at the end of the day, well, I can't get you until next Monday. That's so a long time for them to go without that resource that a lot of them wouldn't have outside yeah. of class, be it yeah. whatever resources that it is that they can't access. But that's that's got to be hard on not just them, but you, because you feel like you're, I guess I shouldn't explain how you feel, but I guess if it was <laughs> me in that position, I guess I would feel like I'm, I can't do the job that I need to do for these kids. Yes. Is that how you're feeling or how are you feeling about it? I often feel useless because I can't, I can't reach these kids the way I normally would. Um, how would it make your job, would it make your job easier to have 
I guess what would make your job easier during COVID given the restrictions that you have? Is there anything that can be done at all? Um, I don't know. I don't want to speak for a kid and because I, I don't know their home life. Um, I would love to say like, well, if they would just engage more on Zoom, maybe like, or if they would call me or send me an email, if they would just respond to my email. Well, that's, it's not that simple. Yeah. So just everything's just, everything is hard and everything yeah. sucks right now. <laughs> yes. It's true. I overheard a conversation yesterday evening about people talking about like how COVID's disrupted the education system and how kids aren't, you know, they're like, oh, well, kids are being forced to stay home with like mom's boyfriend or, you know, by themselves or babysitting siblings, et cetera. So that's got to be rough, not only on, I mean, everybody, I mean, obviously some kids have a great home life, some kids don't, it's just kind of the way the world works, but it's got to be hard on everyone, even kids, you know, we can't see our friends every day, we are stuck at home constantly, so it's got to kind of introduce a little bit more mental stress on them to not have that normality. Yeah, they need routine. I need routine. Everybody, I feel like everybody could do well with a good routine. <laughs> um. I guess is there kind of taken away um, from COVID, do you feel that the current education system is set up to help the kids or is there anything that you feel could change within the education system to help kids more so um, socially and emotionally? I think we have uh, learned that the school system uh, is important in the, like society leans on school systems more than I think any of us even realized. Schools are everything. It's the place to go. So parent guardian can go to work. It is after school or before school care. It is meals. It is resources. It is education and not just like math and science. It's manners it's socialization, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And we as a society, um, maybe we're just leaning on schools too much. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I feel like I could go into a lot of ideas about <laughs> <laughs> capitalism and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> and then we could probably have a whole episode on capitalism <laughs> and its effects on mental health. <laughs> Yeah, Jacqueline, would you like to come back for that? <laughs> you can be our guest on that episode, too. Um, so I won't go into that this episode. but uh, And I don't even know where to start to change it. Um, but something has to change. Maybe, I think just an appreciation would go a long way. Just parents appreciating what schools do for their kids and what schools provide for them. And I think especially the people that think that teachers have it great because they have those three months off in the summer and are just like you know just harping on teachers that they have it better than they think they do if even that just narrative would change just a little bit after this I think that that I guess me from the outside looking in I feel like that would even just make a huge difference yeah it'd be a start and, and you have kids and you know you've seen the virtual learning side of things oh yeah um, we were in a meeting, or I guess I was in a meeting for Mad with Maddox's teacher, and she was like, hey, I know we're having a lot of glitches. I'm doing my best. I'm, IT is doing their best. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, as long as it's getting worked out, that's totally fine. 
I trust that it's going to get done. And then this mom was just yelling and screaming and like, why don't you have your stuff together? Like this needs to be done. We picked online virtual learning because we thought it was going to be best for our kids and all this stuff. And I was just like, I think you're projecting a lot right now. And I just don't understand where this hatred is coming from at all. Mm. I just, and I kind of stepped in and I was like, I think this is maybe a conversation when 12 other parents aren't listening in. And she was like, don't tell me what to do. And I was like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you that this conversation is unnecessary and it's making me uncomfortable. So if you could just air your grievances out at a different time, that would be very nice. Cause I was just trying to like, I just felt so bad because Maddox's teacher tries so hard and she does such an excellent job. And I mean, she's got a, she has one, she was telling me that her morning meeting that's like 20 minutes is 40 children. Like, how is she supposed to corral 40 children and not have That's crazy and not have any glitches on like a technical side? You know what I mean? Like, how is she supposed well, to be able to manage 40 children's iPads? She can't. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> and I think what people also don't understand is like we, yes, live in like a technologically advanced world right now. We're kind of in that moment where everything's changing really fast and technology is advancing super fast. But mm. This is new for everybody. We didn't have like virtual, you know, first grade a year ago. <laughs> like this is, I mean, obviously there's some online schools and stuff, but they're set up to do that. Your public school system is not set up to do that. So learning this for everybody, it's like a first time thing. There's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some glitches. You guys got to be understanding about that stuff. Yeah. We're a district sharing an internet, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Internet. It's like when you're at home and everybody's on their devices, it happens. I don't know. Yeah, people just sure. need to be patient. It's, it's a first time thing. Yeah, you got to be patient with that stuff. That was just yeah. my that's my only grievances with parents this year. It's just like just give your just give your teacher some slack, man. Yeah. That's all you need to They're they're learning as we're learning. Yeah. Right. We talked a little bit about how like COVID has kind of affected your job and how you feel about your job and like little things you wish you could change, but I guess in a, a non-COVID scenario, is there anything that you would change about your job to, to help the kids a little bit more? Anything you feel like we could potentially change in the system and the way it's set up a little bit? The number one thing I would love to change um, is just, I want more of me. I want more I want more social workers. I want more school counselors. Um, you know, I told you all of my school's 1,400 kids. There's three of us. Um, there's two of us last year. Uh, I just want more. The, the more counselors and social workers we have, the more we can do. It, it, it's just that simple. Do you think schools have the resources to do that? Like the monetary resources, I guess, to do that? Uh, yeah, I... I I think it's there. You know, there are a lot it's of athletic reallocating. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, there are a lot of like uh, big time athletic programs, or you know, and I understand budgets are it's different. It's different buckets uh, for budgets, um, but there, there's got to be more we can do. And like in my state, I don't know about Wisconsin, but in Indiana, elementary schools are not required to have a school counselor, and I so a lot like of that's not okay. It's not. And so, because a lot of, um, at least in my district, a lot of those responsibilities that like I do at, at the middle level end up going to an assistant principal. And like, that's not their job. That's not what they went to school for. No. Right. They're not trained for that. And then I feel like kids at an elementary school level, they're also like so malleable. They're so like, yeah. 
they're, you're there to kind of shape them and help them and, and yeah. talking to a counselor is okay and getting them to learn that stuff and all of that jazz is yeah. it's a good time for it. Yeah, it's a good time to positively associate counselor and talking it Absolutely. out and emotions. And I know? feel like there's a lot yeah. of things counselors are going to pick up on a lot more than teachers and other staff that aren't adequately trained mm -hmm. in that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's almost a danger to not have a counselor in a school, I guess, it, me personally. Yeah, I agree. It, it makes me sad. So that'd be the big thing I'd change. Yeah, I would. I would like to change that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with your job, there's obviously a lot of giving and a lot of your time and emotions that kind of mm. come with that. How do you notice the signs of caregiver fatigue and what do you kind of do when you notice those signs? Oh, yeah. Um, the secondhand trauma is real. That's for sure. Um, I notice it when I just, I don't even want to go to work when I'm like, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to talk to kids. And it's like, well, that's my favorite part of the job. I love talking to the kids. So when I start to feel that way, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, the biggest thing I can do for myself is to leave it at work um, and setting those boundaries. Um, like I don't, I don't have my email on my phone. I don't check my email at home. Um, no, I leave it there. It, because if the kid's not there at 4.30, I can't do anything anyway. Um, but, you know, for the most part. Um, so just leaving it, going home, your taking care of me. Or your after hours. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle with that a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I, now working from home, especially, like, I have an office, which I'm in right now. This is my office. And I try and, like, shut the door and leave this room out of it when I'm done outside of working hours. But I struggle with that a lot. A lot of people do. Like, adults. I think across yeah. the board, no matter what job you're in. You know, I think it, I'm going to talk about capitalism again. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we in America, we glamorize working. And, you know, if you're not checking your email at home, you're not doing it right. Or if you don't check your email occasionally on vacation, then you don't care about your job. Like, well, they don't care about me outside my 40 hours. It's so, like, if they really want me to work those extra hours and pay me for those extra they'd hours. They'd pay me. They would. Like, wait to, like, get out of paying people for overtime. It is like I'm replaceable. Let's be honest, I'm replaceable. So <laughs> that's awesome. Like you Aren't gotta we take all care. Though? We are. Like you gotta take care of you because you're the only one who's gonna take care of you. Amen. Yeah. Preach. Preach. <laughs> um, is there anything that you do to kind of um get ahead of? The caregiver fatigue like is there something like daily that you kind of do to like take time for yourself and if anything that's kind of worked for you so far sure i i'm a big yoga fan um i don't know if i would say daily but uh hey you're on day 15 so i'm on that's day pretty good i'm on day 15 you, of girl? yoga with adrian shout out um, <laughs> it's so free um so i i do try to fit in yoga many days a week um try to eat healthy because it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. um, drink your water. Just check in with yourself. Like, how am I feeling today? Yeah. And making Plus, sure you, you know, I've also got my own medicine and my own, you know, meds you gotta, because <laughs> you also have to keep track of those side effects. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I just, daily, daily is hard. Um, so for, if, for anybody who's trying to get ahead of um, 
their caregiver fatigue, you know, just take it one step at a time. Maybe it's something that you do just once a week and then it'll grow from there. You have to grow habits. Mm -hmm. Habits are hard, especially when bad habits are easy. And I feel like those good habits that make us feel good are hard, at least from my perspective, because I feel sometimes that, well, I haven't worked enough today to validate giving myself that time where it's like, no, you need to give yourself that time. So you have the energy and motivation to do the things you need to get done. And I feel like that switch and that thought process is kind of hard to come to terms with, at least for me in a position where my job is all about giving to somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. I have the habit tracker that you turned me on to Brit. And even then, like I look at that thing sometimes day to day and I'm like, tracking my habits and trying to track my good habits and and make them habits. And so, you know, tracking some of my bad habits just so I can see or hopefully have them dwindle a little bit. But even then I look at like my quantities or like totals for the month and I'm like, I suck at this. Like, I need to be better at that. It kind of like gets me in like a weird mental state then too. So I'm like, is this helping? Is it hurting? I'm trying to make it help. Who knows? I've, I've kind of taken a step back from making sure that every box is checked in, I guess. Like I don't, I don't beat myself up because I didn't read for 20 minutes for like three weeks. It's like, yeah, that sucks, but I'll take that moment to kind of check back and be like, well, what were the last three weeks kind of like, was it Mm -hmm. really heavy on my kids? And was I more, instead of taking that time away from me, was I more of a presence to my kids? Was, did I pick up more hours at work? So that way my patient felt safe being in his home. So it's just like trying to like break those things down and make myself feel better about not not getting those things done on that habit tracker mm-hmm. a little bit. I guess that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. I that's my thing with like lists though. I we're completely getting like way off topic now, but <laughs> my thing with lists is like I I want to check everything off. So like if I don't have all of my boxes filled in for my habit tracker, I'm like, oh God. And I set goals for myself. Like not every day is is the goal. Like I have, you know. 20 days this month or 15 days this month or whatever, but I'm like, oh, I didn't hit my target or I didn't fill in all the boxes. And that like bothers me for whatever reason. Lists are hard, but lists are great. Lists are. Amen. I do. This, this has worked for me. This might work for somebody out there. Um, I give myself three things to do a day. And then anything that's outside of that goes in a separate list. Um, that way I'm not overwhelming myself in any given day. Um, keeps me organized, keeps me feeling accomplished um, because I did what I at least set out to do. And that was three tasks. That's awesome. You're still, I should try that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause I feel like I put, I'll be like, Oh, all of these things have to get done. So I'll put 12 things on that list. And it's like, (laughs) right. Is it really like realistic for me to get these 12 things done on my list? Probably not. It's just setting my myself up for, to feel like a failure that day. And then you're never going to do it again because it, yeah. it, cause it sucked to fail. It makes you feel like crap. Yeah, exactly. So talking about all this fun stuff and lists and habits, um, we kind of talked about like medications, et cetera, and you totally don't have to talk about it, but if you're comfortable talking about it, do you yourself struggle with any mental health issues or struggles along those lines? Yes, I have anxiety, general anxiety. Um, I was diagnosed in college, oh, I guess 10 years ago now. Um, so I do take medication for that. And, you know, I've got my own coping skills 
the yoga, the eating healthier, you know, all of those things. And yeah. How does your anxiety kind of play in with your job? Do you get, does it, does it help or I guess hinder? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can hinder my job. It can, I get really anxious about my performance in terms of the way my, my admin team is seeing me. So the people who are above me, my bosses, if you will, um, I get really anxious about doing the right thing or, you know, am I doing the right thing by a kid? Like, did I say the right thing to this kid? Is it going to come back on me? Um, instead of just trusting my, my skills and my training. Um, and then some situations just, they don't do me, they do make me anxious. Um, and being able to hold it together in front of kids. I feel yeah. Like. In the words of Brit, that's the power of anxiety, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anxiety is quite the beast. It um, is. It really is. I don't, I think. But yay medication. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and understanding, well, learning to understand my triggers and yes. learning to understand yes. my coping mechanisms that work for me. And I think it's great that those kids that do come to you for anxiety, you kind of have that that background and that empathy and that mm-hmm. just that understanding of kind of where they're coming from. And I bet the kids that do come to you for that probably feel a lot more comfortable talking to somebody that actually that gets it. Mm-hmm. It's not like just something they read in a textbook that they were trained on like this robotic way of how to handle it. Like you're, you're, there's a human behind it. And I feel like that's such a wonderful thing to be able to bring to your job. Yeah. I I hope so. I wish for sure. I wish someone would have taught me about anxiety at 13. (laughs) (laughs) I think I could have helped myself a little earlier in life. Avoided a little Uh, bit of heartbreak (laughs) here and there. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about like your own coping mechanisms. Do you help kids kind of find their coping mechanisms if that's something that helps them? Oh yeah, I call Do you, it. Like, explore that with them. I call it putting together your toolbox. Um, so I think everybody. I, I need. I think everybody needs a toolbox, um, and even people who don't have mental health issues, people get angry, people get stressed at work. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and helping them discover. Oh, what's going to work for them? Because some kids, <laughs> some kids hate breathing exercises. Oh I God. love breathing exercises. I was that kid that hated breathing exercises, <laughs> especially when I was angry. I'm, I'm still that kid. Because I wanted to sit in the anger. And I was yeah. like, why aren't they letting me sit in this anger? Just let me grit right. my teeth and be angry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd so be that, that person was, I was like breathing yeah. through their clenched teeth. Like, <laughs> Just let me live like this. Yes. So don't, so don't do it. <laughs> it comes down to, don't do it. Maybe you need a draw instead. Yes. <laughs> Take a nice little brisk walk or something. Yeah. Some kids love, and so I always encourage kids. I'm like, just ask to go get a drink of water. Don't, don't make a thing out of it. Yeah. If you Take the long way around. It, someone else isn't going to make a thing out of it. Exactly. And if they ask you why it took so long, just say, oh, after I took a drink, I had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be a big thing. No one needs to know if you don't want them to know. Yeah. Yeah. Privacy so just, uh, is yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have any other 
Is there anything that you kind of wanted to bring up, Jacqueline, at all? Um, you know, I think we hit a lot of it, and I'm I appreciate kind of the um, the highlight of why schools matter, um, especially in in these times. Um, I don't know, but our our kids are the future. It sounds so cheesy, but I mean, you know, these are, are no. It's our job it, to mold them. It is. Um, you know, whether you're a parent or, um, you know, maybe you're just modeling for them at, at, at boxing, like, (laughs) (laughs) we we all, (laughs) we're all responsible for them in a way. Do you tend to see like more of one type of like anxiety or depression or anything in school versus like another as mental health issue? Is Um, there kind of one thing that's overwhelming? Hmm, that's a good question. I think it's just anxiety. I think kids just get very overwhelmed in the school. Um, you know, probably because something else is going on, like a relationship or um, maybe it's test anxiety or their family and they feel like they don't have anybody to talk to. And so it just kind of bottles up inside of them and that makes them just very like uncomfortable. Um, As anyone would be. Yeah. Especially at that age where you're going through so many body changes and hormone changes and like that alone is a lot and then to feel like you don't have anybody to talk to about it just kind of piles on at least from my own middle school yeah all of our own experience I feel like we've talked about this a few times right we're like our middle school experiences and hormones and we're like oh middle school is the worst (laughs) it was so I guess it was those poor kids oh I guess we're gonna get should we get into middle school experiences like what was your middle school experience Jacqueline like how did was there, did you kind of- We kind of talked about ours already. Yeah. Was there any counselor, any adult that kind of made you feel safe and willing to talk to, whether it was your parents or a school teacher or anything? Hmm. No, uh, I shouldn't say no. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. I did it by myself. Uh. <laughs> I'm an independent woman. I don't need no, I don't need no help. I do remember my counselor because we had the same one six seven eight Um, and I do remember her um, but I don't remember any like lessons or anything like that I do remember talking to her a couple of times but nothing nothing crazy honestly I remember from like an emotional standpoint I remember my elementary school counselor better Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely talked to her about my emotions more and how to handle my emotions more um and then in middle school so you just another plug for elementary school counselors for real for real though <laughs> you remember them mm-hmm. you do um yeah. but in middle school I mean I guess I talked to my mom um we're we're close um we just have shout very different Joanne. shout out to Joanne. Joanne uh we just have very different um you know I think that's just a general a generational thing we just have different perspectives on mental health um, oh yeah and how to handle it and what yeah what is actually causing it yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I can talk to her, but it's also my mom. I mean, going back to everything that's been said and what you all have said in previous episodes, it's, you gotta have that third party. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to have that unbiased person to be like, to just like not look at you as a parent or look at you as an authority figure, just somebody who's just sitting with you and taking in your experience from your perspective and just kind of twisting it and showing a different way to look mm-hmm. at it. 
Right. And helping you twist the perspective. Yeah. Sometimes that's what it takes. Right. Shedding, shedding a new light helps sometimes. And that's, that's what that third party kind of, kind of helps doers for. So whether that's a counselor or a therapist or, you know, an unbiased friend or a podcast setting, um, <laughs> we kind of have the, a nice unbiased or at least somebody to sit, talk to and listen to, which is awesome. So do you have any advice for others who are looking to go into counseling or happen to uh, stumble upon it in their collegiate <laughs> career? I know. Don't do that. Don't, don't, just, <laughs> don't, don't do what I did. Upon something. Maybe don't stumble <laughs> upon like getting your master's. Uh, I'm very lucky it worked out for me. Maybe, uh, maybe always in the back of my mind, uh, I wanted to be a counselor. I just didn't, like I said at the beginning, I didn't want to do private practice. So maybe in the back of my mind, I always knew I wanted to be a counselor. I just didn't know the environment. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, if you want to go into counseling, absolutely do it. Um, but go into it with an open mind. Um, you're going to learn a lot about yourself and the world. Be open to that. You can't fix everybody. That's not your job. Um, your job is to help them help themselves. That makes sense. I think that's going to be something yeah. at least I'll probably struggle with getting into it is me. I feel like a lot of people that go into counseling kind of have that hero complex of mm -hmm. like, I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to do everything. And I, like you said, I think that can be kind of deteriorating to your own mental health and take a toll on you by not being able to save everybody and help everybody. Mm -hmm. At least that's something that I personally will probably struggle with. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, because we want to help people. That's, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. It's not the worst. Deter I guess it's not the worst uh, complex to have in that. No. In that <laughs> no, no, no. You just don't want it to, you know, you don't want to go home. Like we talked about earlier, just don't go home and think I'm a failure. Um, because it, over time, it will eat at you. Mm -hmm. um, and you just... You can't do that if you want to make it long-term. Having those days to just take off and like you said, just leaving work at work and coming home and having it be your sanctuary and, and your place is going to go, I feel a long way. Yes. Yeah. So one, I guess, last question to kind of wrap some stuff up here, unless you have any more Brit. No, I'm good. <laughs> sure. Okay. What would you like school age kids to know about mental health and like options that are available to them? Like if you had to give a broad blanket statement, like what's available to you and what would you like them to know? Ooh. Um, someone will listen to you. So find that person, um, whether it's a counselor or maybe it is the principal or a teacher, find someone, um, She's going to listen to you because we do care. That's why we're there. That's why everybody in that building is there. Um, we love you and we want you to succeed. I think that's awesome. That's perfect. Um, well, I'd like to thank Jacqueline again for her time and insight. It was wonderful as always talking oh, to you. Oh, thank you. I missed your face. So this was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to see your face for the first time. Yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Um, well, thank you to squad for joining us. If you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes or want to keep updated on the release of episodes or just want to check up us on us on our lives and stuff, um, you can check out on us at on Instagram at gloom squad, G L O O M S Q U A A A D. 
um, or feel free to email us at gloomsquadpod at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.